Hello, and welcome to the Lancet's In Conversation With podcast. I'm your host, Chloe Wilson, and it's our October 28 issue. This week, we're discussing geographic atrophy following the publication of two randomised controlled trials in our October 21st issue, the efficacy and safety of avacin captad pegol in patients with geographic atrophy, otherwise termed GABA2, the 12-month results from a randomised double-masked phase 3 trial by Arshad Kanani and colleagues, and the second, PEG set a co-plan for the treatment of geographic atrophy secondary to age-related macular degeneration, termed Oaks and Derby, by Geoffrey Heyer and colleagues. We're joined by Emily Chu, an ophthalmologist who peer-reviewed the papers and has written a linked commentary on the trials for us, and to discuss a bit more about geographic atrophy and the ongoing developments in the field. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself, Emily? Sure. Thank you for having me. My name is Emily Chu. I'm an ophthalmologist who does clinical trials at the National Eye Institute and National Institutes of Health in the United States. And macrogeneration is one of the areas that I work in. Thank you so much for having me. Brilliant. Thank you for joining us. And I think we'll start just by talking um, a little bit about what is geographic atrophy. Can you tell our our listeners just a little bit more about, about the background of it? Sure. Geographic atrophy is one of the end stages of age-related macular degeneration, or AMD, which is the most common cause of blindness in the United States and in the high-income countries such as the UK. Uh, this late form uh, is, is really one that progresses relentlessly uh, in both eyes with central vision loss, and it's just a loss of the tissues over time. Another form of late macular degeneration is the wet form of nevascular AMD, which is different. And what we're studying here is a pure geographic atrophy with no evidence of nevascularization because the two can, can, be, can actually be seen together. And how common is geographic atrophy? Well, unfortunately, it probably affects as many as 5 million people globally. In the United States alone, it's about 1.5 million who apparently have geographic atrophy. And is there anyone who is particularly at risk of developing it? We know that you know, most commonly it's aging that's the most common risk factor and, and genetics plays a big role in this. Sixty uh, percent uh, of AMD could be found to be hereditary in some in some form. And also, lifestyle is really important. People who smoke, uh, smoking is a big risk factor. And dietary uh, aspects are also important. People who have a very low adherence to Mediterranean diet, for example, has a very high rate of having macular degeneration as well. Thank you. And what are some of their current approved treatments for geographic atrophy? Well, this is really an unmet medical need. We really had no treatment for this disease that was effective. Many things were tried, but it's not until recently that we have these two complement uh, inhibitors that have been really important. Uh, and so this is the first in line of, of treatment for, for geographic atrophy. So this is very exciting. And before these treatments, how was it being managed um, in the clinic? In the clinic, people would just you know, be told that they, they have this condition, there isn't anything we can actually treat them with. We, we've given uh, patients in the past, before they get to the stage, we'll be given vitamins to prevent them from progressing to late forms of macular degeneration. And of course, the late form, this geographic atrophy can also uh, progress to nevascularization or wet form. And so they're being watched for that. So clearly there was really no treatment at all for this, but other than watching for natural course of disease uh, and with really any no intervention for the geographic atrophy itself. I see. So it's really quite exciting to have these um, two new drug treatments. And you've written a great link comment for us on these two trials that are due to be published in our October 21 issue at The Lancet. 
And one's on the Avacyn Captad Pegol and the other one's on the Peg Thetacoplan. And can you tell us a little bit about these studies and maybe how they could be interpreted for clinicians? Sure. So these two um, articles that come into Lancet are, are really landmark studies. So GATHER2, which really talks about uh, Avacyn Captad Pegol, uh, comes from a, a phase three trial of about 448 patients in which uh, in both of these studies, patients are given uh, injections into the eye, intravitreous injections of the drug. Uh, in the GATHER2, uh, this is a phase three trial. This is following a phase two, three trial, and patients are given every month, uh, and this is a 12 month of a 24 month study, and, and, and this was then also uh, followed, of course, for a longer follow up. The phase three of the uh, Pegasitacoplan uh, is in two. Uh, two t other studies, Oates and Derby, uh, in which uh, 1,258 participants were randomized. And they're randomized to either monthly injection or to every other month. And that was two to one, the, the sham group. Uh, and the sham group was then combined. So there was actually two, 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 in a, in a sense, they were equal numbers. Uh, and this was a, a larger number of patients. And again, this was looking at 12 months and then 24 months. Uh, and these, these were the results that came through. For the Pickett-Sitzko-Copeland study, we found that it improved over time. 24 months, there was an increase in the actual beneficial effect to the point that uh, that it was a slowing about 21% in total uh, for the for the monthly and 17% for the every other month. So clearly, um, as over time, there was an increase in the treatment effect. They did a subgroup analysis in which looking at patients whose center part of the, the macula was not involved. In other words, was good vision centrally, and they were just far enough from the center. Looking at those patients, there was a 26% slowing of the lesions. So in other words, it seemed even better effect in those other lesions. Now, as far as the, um, the Avacyn uh, Captain uh, Pago was concerned, there was about a 14% reduction at, at the 12 months endpoint. So clearly, both of them had a treatment effect that slowed down the progression of the lesion of the of the geographic atrophy. So all these patients already have established geographic atrophy. Just looking at the slowing of that progression. Yeah. So, so what what does that mean for clinicians? How how should these studies be interpreted for a patient in front of them in the clinic, for example? So you know the the question is uh, what happens with these patients? Clearly, there is a treatment effect. Uh, these are somewhat modest, but this is not. No, this is more than we've ever had in any other treatment. Uh, and so would this be important for patients? Yes, it would be, because slow this down for patients who may have the center spared, if you can slow it down and allow them to have good vision, that would be very good. We have to say that when we look at the functional changes, we didn't see any difference between the treatment and untreated. And part of this is the nature of the disease or so geographic atrophy. The center part is involved, but patients then actually regroup and, and their brain takes over and, and they readjust to the new points of what we call focused. And so it's really always very difficult to look at what happens with function. So it is not surprising that we don't see a great deal of difference between them. So when, if in the clinic you're explaining to a patient what it might mean to start on these tr treatments, perhaps some tempered enthusiasm as it's slowing growth rather than a reduction in symptoms, perhaps. Exactly. It will. It will not going to. It's not going to bring anything back. It's not going to improve the vision. Uh, it may prevent it from getting worse. 
And that often is very difficult for a patient to to really understand. I think these things are really important for the patients um, to to be understanding that this is not going to be a, a, a cure of any sort. And none of these are cures. And are there any particular group of patients who might benefit most from these new innovations? Well, perhaps I should talk a bit about um, some of the safety information first, because what they found in both of these drugs was that there was an increased risk of developing a nevascular form or the wet form of macrogeneration. Uh, and this was higher than the, than the usual placebo group. And that's because, uh, and this has been shown in the, in the phase two studies as well. So in order to think about this, patients who have a fellow eye with nevascularization, they already have a wet form vaccination, they have geographic atrophy, their risk of having a nevascularization is increased. So would you consider that when you're thinking about what to do with these patients? So clearly we don't have a real plan because uh, this is a very broad indication for treatment. I think with time, as we learn how to use these drugs, we will learn more about this. But clearly, you have to be careful about t- telling patients that they're going to develop nevascular form geographic atrophy, even though they have geographic atrophy, but they may develop nevascular form. And that's something that would be an added burden of treatment. They would have to have in- additional treatment for that. So that's something that they have to tell the patients about. Uh, whether patients who have just non-central GA, in other words, the center is not involved, would that be the best patient? Uh, clearly, these were both non non-foveal and, and foveal lesions were included in this. We did find a difference in terms of the, the progression rate. Uh, so that's not very clear. Uh, and, and the other question is, uh, should you, know, you want to make sure these patients are also compliant, they're coming back, and they have to understand this is a very long-term treatment. We don't know how long this has to be. Is it for the rest of their life? Possibly it may be. So this is something that's a burden that they have to understand. And so patients have to have a very clear idea what they're getting into. Uh, but clearly, you know, this is a decision that they make with their, their, their physician, given all the data that, that they have uh, in front of them. But I think with time, we're going to understand a better idea what groups of patients would be particularly beneficial to these patients. You know, the other aspect of this, it took a lot of patients to... They recruited, screened a number of patients before they actually got the patients they need. Almost three, three times, you know, one out of three were actually patients that became eligible. So there was specific size that was important, certain age, and certain visual criteria. But, but this indication for treatment is fairly broad. And you said that the the time frame for these kind of treatments is unclear at present. Is there a particular length of time that they've been approved for so far, or or is it? indefinite that at the moment people could be treated for? I think this is indefinite. I don't think there are any any selected period. Uh, that the, the, the indication is, you know, you, you go ahead and treat them until, I don't know when you call it quits or what happens. Um, and that's some, something we'll understand as we gain more experience with this. Like all new drugs, we, we gain a lot of experience by using it. And and the companies are doing, you know, post uh randomization, say, following these patients, they, they've always been seen for, for a period of time to see what happens. And obviously, patients who are in a sham group may then be given treatment, uh, and then you lose that randomization. But, but it's important to, to follow those patients that we, you have now to see what the treatment effect over time, because that's going to give you a lot of information. 
And how accessible are these treatments likely to be? I mean, what do you know where they're available um, and where they're not? Well, we know that the, the pharmaceutical companies have made this available. I know thousands of uh, vials have gone out, like tens of thousands of vials have gone out. So I know patients are able to access it. And obviously, it's going to be the cost of this. Um, and the patients obviously will have to have um, perhaps some form. I, I know they're usually, like farm companies, usually very good about those who cannot afford it. But um, that's going to be a, a, another issue is, is the cost of this. But but clearly, they are accessible and they are available. And I know that our colleagues are indeed injecting patients uh, for sure. And, and it is happening right now, at least in the United States. I, I don't know if it's gotten... I know it's not got approval elsewhere yet in the United States. It definitely is is available. Uh, to your knowledge, it's just in the U.S. so far. It's not anywhere else globally. Not I, that, that, that I'm aware of. So what information do we need to have next about these new treatments? So we, and you touched upon it a little bit earlier, talking about some of the safety information and long-term data. Do you know when we're sort of likely to have this and, and what else is ongoing in that in that space? You know, like all drugs, new drugs, uh, you use them and then you find some other things that go on with it. One of the Coplan was a, st- a drug in which uh, it's been used a little bit longer because it was approved in February and many more drugs were, were put out. And, and and there was a safety issue with some very extremely rare occasion where people with uh, um, the eyes develop vasculitis, which is an inflammation. Uh, and that has happened in other drugs as well, too. And, you know, Obviously, I'd be very careful about who would get this and, and, and look for that particular risk factors. So these uh, safety issues do come up, but this hasn't stopped the drug from being used um, because I think this is a rare occasion and a treatment can be given for this. Uh, and of course, there are some unfortunate patients who may not recover completely, but the, the, the risk is, is, is quite low at this point. Uh, so we really need to, to watch this. And again, you know, watching... Providing the data for longer follow-up is just crucial, and that would just help the whole community as to how to really use this drug effectively. And presumably, we'd we'd probably need quite substantial long-term follow-up if the potential for these treatments is to be used for many, many years. It's a chronic disease, so yes, many years is what's necessary to see what happens over time. And then finally, um, are there any other exciting developments in the field of geographic atrophy? So, I mean, it's great that we've got these two new medications that have been approved, um, that have been shown to reduce and slow the growth. But anything that's ongoing in terms of um, identifying people um, who are most at risk, um, early detection or predicting what the disease cause might be doing? Well, I, I think this is an exciting time um, in terms of other development of this field. Uh, this these two drugs are way ahead of the others. I think it's going to be a number of years before we get to another one because most of these other ones are in phase one, two trial. Um, we're looking at uh, regenerative um, uh, cell therapy, uh, looking uh, at gene therapy, uh, which is quite exciting. We, talk, we know about the genetics and some of the complement uh, cascade, uh, the, whole, the whole issue of what the pathogenesis might be is being looked at very carefully. Uh, but but those are, are, are things that are really not ready for probably a few years because they haven't even finished the phase two, as we know it takes a long time to get to phase three. Monitoring, uh, you know, there are new monitoring uh, devices, um, and that, that means even home uh, op- optical coherence tomography, or OCT, is being used. 
That's probably more important for looking at the development of a wet form of vaccination if that happens. So daily, people can actually daily look at their uh, their OCT machine, and that's taken into a, a central office where they actually can tell whether there are changes. So that's really exciting. Uh, we don't really have screening programs going on, and, but but clearly we're 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 doing some really important work, especially the work in UK. My colleagues at at, at Warfields are doing some using AI, um, artificial intelligence, to to do early early detection and prediction of disease, looking at patient, you know, the number of patients that come in through the NHS is huge. Uh, to be able to pick out patients with MAC generation is a, is, a, is a daunting burden. So having these really important artificial intelligence work, which has hopefully come to fruition, will be really helpful to looking predicting who's going to go forward. Uh, so I think it's a really interesting and, and, and really bright future we have for helping us looking at monitoring and early detection. And hopefully some of these new drugs and some of the things that are in, uh, that are in phase one, two will, will also uh, come up to fruition and be very helpful to our patients. Because this truly is going to increase in, in, in public health because we know that um, uh, by 2050, something like 280 million people globally will have macrogeneration. So this is a daunting task for the ophthalmologist to take care of these patients. Thank you so much, Emily. I think um, that's all of the questions that I had for today. So thank you very much for joining me and thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much to Emily for joining us as a guest today. We've had some great discussions to understand the new developments in treatment for geographic atrophy and the importance of interpreting and recognising the limitations of current treatment and the ongoing importance of long-term data. And you can read both trials now on thelancet.com.